Thank you very much. Well, hello Plymouth. It is so good to be in front of an actual real audience for once and not on Zoom. I'm so used to Zoom actually, I'm just going to go, can everyone, can you hear me? Can everyone hear me? Yes? Yeah. Am I buffering okay? <laughs> so it's a bit windy. Anyway, yes, my name is Robert Garnham, Professor of Whimsy, Consumer of Biscuits. Yes, Professor of Whimsy, Professor of Whimsy. I say Professor, you say Whimsy, Professor. Whimsy. Professor. Whimsy. That's brilliant. I've still got it. <laughs> so anyway, yes, uh, what we're going to do before we start, and this is compulsory, I'm afraid, this is the audience oath. So if you kindly repeat after me. <coughs> Let it be known. Let it be known. That in this very location. That in this very location. I, your name. <laughs> we'll enjoy some performance poetry. We'll enjoy some performance poetry. What is love? What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. No Thank more. you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, take me up in your blimp. It would be quite fun, I think. Let's paint the sides, let's pimp your blimp, and have the nice lunch, I hope the salad ain't limp. Oh, take me up, oh, take me up, oh, take me up in your blimp. Oh, take me up in your blimp. I can't remember what comes next, but it rhymes with blimp. <laughs> if I did, it's a blimp in a very nice day won't you take me far away in your blimp and people might say oh wow it's a blimp cause it looks like a blimp and it moves like a blimp and it flies like a blimp and the lights on it they wink and they blink and they tell the world it's a blimp though in England they're known as airships or dirigibles Oh, take me up, oh, take me up, oh, take me up in your blimp. Thank you. That song has absolutely no meaning at all, does it? <laughs> So anyway, yes, yes, I, I, I'm, I must say I'm, I'm getting older. I'm, in fact, I'm the oldest now that I have ever been. And but it's true, I do like to look after myself. I do try and treat my body like it's a temple. Just the trouble that it's been converted into a Weatherspoons pub. I've been trying. I've been trying a bit of mindfulness actually. Um, I've been doing it online to videos and they say the key to mindfulness is to empty your head of all thoughts which makes me think how can it be both simultaneously empty and full I have no idea but I've been trying a bit of yoga as well um, the only trouble with yoga is every time I sit down the money falls out of my pockets but they do say that change has to come from within this is called poem 
I was fabulous once, but I'm not anymore. I could reach for the heights, now I'm down on the floor. I was fabulous once, I was king of the hill, now the fabulous people just make me feel ill. I had fabulous hair and a fabulous grin. I was fabulous all over and also within. My coat was so fabulous and so were my shoes. But just look at me now, it's really old news. I was fabulous once, why does it vex me? I was fabulous once and really quite sexy. I was ever so sweet and very charming. But just look at me now, it's really alarming. I see fabulous people on Facebook and Twitter. I was just like them once when I was much fitter. I was fabulous once, but life has its limits. I was fabulous once for about five minutes. Thank you. So I've been writing a lot during the lockdown and um, so I'm going to try one or two brand spanking new poems I've never done anywhere before for obvious reasons. Um, and if you hear a funny noise, it's because every time a bus goes past, my Wi-Fi kicks in on the phone. This is called Poem. There's a pecking in the forest, there's a pecking in the trees. There's a pecking in the foliage, it puts you at your ease. There's a pecking in the evergreens, a pecking in the oak. There's a pecking in the orchard, I assure you it's no joke. But what on earth could this pecking be? It's a woodpecker, woodpecker, very, very good pecker. Getting all the insects out, though something of a woodwrecker. Woodpecker, woodpecker, oh, I wish that I could be a woodpecker pecking in the tree. So if you're in the arboretum, if you're in the wood, and you hear a distant pecking sound like anybody could, then guess what creature's causing it? Guess what kind of bird that makes that pecking woody sound that you have just heard? It's a woodpecker, woodpecker, very, very good pecker, getting all the insects out. There's something of a woodwrecker, woodpecker, woodpecker, oh, I wish that I could be a woodpecker pecking in the tree. Oh, a man I saw this morning had a pigeon on his head and another man I saw later on took a chicken home to bed. I've seen a goat and they exist. I've seen some badgers too. But I tell you what I've never seen and I know this will shock you. It's a woodpecker, woodpecker, very, very good pecker getting all the insects out. There's something of a woodwrecker. Woodpecker, woodpecker, oh, I wish that I could be a woodpecker living in the tree. I tried to smuggle a parrot through customs and immigration, but then somebody stopped me and much to my indignation said to me, excuse me, what's that under your hat? I said, I don't know. Oh my God, though, I've got double vision because of all the vicious oscillations and the constant drilling right on the very top of my skull. I tell you, it's pretty damn excruciating. And he said, no, that's no parrot I've ever seen, Sonny Jim. <gasps> it's a woodpecker, woodpecker, very, very good pecker, getting all the insects out. There's something of a woodwrecker, woodpecker, woodpecker. Oh, I wish that I could be. A woodpecker pecking in the tree. Thank you.
I've also taken up a little hobby while I was in lockdown. And that is cartoons. So I've invented a cartoon character called Jeff. And he's based on an old one I had much a, a long time ago. So this first one is says, Jeff informs me he's about to go to the top of the Eiffel Tower where he reckons there won't be any warthogs. <laughs> There's only four of them, so the next one. Jeff gets to the top. Oh no! Moths! <laughs> and the next one. At the simultaneous moment he decides that his idealised version of the Eiffel Tower has been exposed as a philosophical untruth and that existed only in his mind, he also happens to find a pound coin. So in actual fact, the day wasn't a total loss, was it, Jeff? <laughs> Jeff? <laughs> it's okay, he's gone now. So that was my little cartoons I've been working on. I've also been writing some very short little poems and I'm going to go through them now and because they're so short I'm not going to say thank you at the end of each one you don't even have to clap but I will be going <laughs> making a noise with that anyway so this first one actually this doesn't have a title at the moment it's just called poem I wish I was a papanda bear, I wish I wish I was A pretty perky papanda bear, oh how I wish I was Eating all the bamboo, washing my hair with shampoo I wish I was a papanda bear, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not I wish I was a papanda bear, my voice would be monotone I wish I was a papanda bear, I'd call people on the phone But I am not a papanda bear, nor am I monochrome Look out, here comes a meteor, we're all going to die <laughs> To be honest, I couldn't think how to end that one This one is called Poem what altitude are we? I asked the pilot. Go back and sit down, he replied. Leave this to me. We rose up high over Newton Abbott. I could just make out the A-boards outside the coffee shops. What's our cruising speed? I asked the pilot. None of your business, he replied. Let me worry about the cruising speed. I went and sat down and the cabin crew served strawberries. They were succulent. I consumed a couple and then threw one of them at the pilot. He said, what kind of idiot throws strawberries at a pilot at 30,000 feet and a cruising speed of 800 knots? Aha, I said, damn, he replied and he closed the door. Poem. We are the monotone monks from a monastery near Maidenhead. We speak in a monotone because we are monks. Mm, marvellous weather we've been having lately, isn't it? The other day we went to a nunnery and saw some nuns and said, Hey sister, go sister, hey sister, go sister, hey sister. 
One of them asked which monastery we were from here. I said, take a pamphlet. She immediately spotted a spelling error and asked, who's your proofreader? We said we will have to amend it. <laughs> This isn't high art. <laughs> this is called Poem. Glass flan dishes from Cuba. Baking dishes from Antigua. Quiche dishes from the Yucatan Peninsula. Measuring jugs from the West Indies. Microwave-proof glass pans from Trinidad. Yes, it's the Pyrex of the Caribbean. <laughs> This is called, oh this is called Poem. I saw you from across the lake in your kayak, too beautiful for the rugged afternoon. I heard the mating call of the brown mallard. <laughs> Our eyes met across the calm surface, the hot summer air heavy with mosquitoes pungent peaty aroma, fir trees drowsiness and perpetual agony. <laughs> you waved, I waved, you waved again, I waved again. You waved incredibly frantically, crikey, he's keen. And he held up and then held up a large piece of paper with your mobile phone number on it. I phoned you up. And you said, <laughs> Thank you very much. This is called Poem. There's nothing more evil than salad. It's a good chew spoiled. And since they outlawed chocolate as a salad dressing, all the fun has gone out of it. You never see someone enjoying a salad. They just have this grim determination followed by smug satisfaction as they continually point out that they had a salad for lunch. Aren't I good? Oh, you're so smug. I really enjoyed my pasty. There's nothing more evil than salad. It's the lunchtime equivalent of a punch in the face. It's why cows always look so miserable. It's why people who eat salad always look so miserable. There's nothing worse than having a belly full of celery and an instant regret in your own existence. A whole afternoon with it repeating on you like a bad episode of CSI. A reminder of what a martyr you've been with your salad, but they don't give out medals for that. No, sir. They've started painting McDonald's green. They're not fooling anyone. They're putting more lettuce into burgers now. It's just the tip of the iceberg. Thank you. So you're a brilliant audience, and some audiences look at me like I'm an alien and I've just abducted you. I don't know what it is about alien abduction that people find so scary. I mean, for a start, it gets you out the house. And secondly, 
If you're going to come across the vast and infinite reaches of space just to see Basingstoke, then you really can't be that bright, can you? <laughs> this is a brand new poem, and it's called Poem. We flew away to Jupiter, abducted once again. Flew away to Neptune, me and my alien friends. I went inside their spaceship, they made me wear a robe. Take me to your leader. What are you doing with that probe? We flew throughout the galaxy in a sexy UFO. It had a space-age toilet where a man could boldly go. If word gets out about tonight, who knows, I might be famous. My name now linked to the things I did while bouncing around on Uranus. Take me to an alien place devoid of intelligent thought. A hopeless steaming pit of a place where dreams are turned to naught. A place bereft of hope and life and no breathable atmosphere. If that's what you want, they said to me, let's go to Lincolnshire. It was a flying saucer, though it looked more like a mug. Thank you for abducting me, I said. Now give me a hug. They forced me next at gunpoint to make out with an alien device, which wasn't bad for robot doings, you idiot, they said. That's the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Take me to the brightest star in the vast expanse of space. And that's how I met Alan Titchmarsh. You should have seen his face. As we descended from the night, it's the craziest thing we he'd seen. We lifted up some farm equipment with our tractor beam. Take time to take you back. They said your planet has seen many changes. We didn't build the pyramids or the Woking branch of Sainsbury's. Do you have a message, I asked, to tell the human race? Yes, they said, your planet is a mess. And the parking is a total disgrace. Thank you. So this poem is actually a serious one, and it's called Nathan Went for a Walk in the Rain. Nathan went for a walk in the rain, felt the cold drop sting thrown by the wind like thoughts flung at him. Often he felt he could disappear, given the chance, less than a ghost scared of its own haunting. Often life really was too daunting. Hands thrust in pockets. He would stand under the limbs of a tree whose skeletal branches zigzagged an overcast battleship sky. Seemed to him the jagged black lightning of negative storms, moments of joy nullified, time turned inside out, one day this tree would fall and rot, not even a memory. Custodians of masculinity leer in with jeering grins, outstretched claws soured with the blood of souls too weak to join the cultural dance, maps marked not with roots, but the chaos of headstrong toxicity, the violence of difference, for straying would be an error, and only a fool would shear from the path and be rightly and soundly mocked. Nathan went for a walk in the rain. It's hard to explain the indefinable. It's easier to be a man and stamp down emotion, to be one of the lads and aspire to such. Show no fear, stick two fingers up at pain. Don't be weak, don't be spineless, and don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. And if someone does, then don't listen. For God's sake, don't admit that you're lonely. What kind of man does that? Nathan went for a walk in the rain. 
saw the puddles circle with heavy drops falling like abandoned ideas or dragon's tears no time to explain just a walk no time to talk and no one to listen if he needed to talk and anyway what could he possibly explain nathan went for a walk in the rain thank you very much I'm going to finish with this one, but it is quite a long one. Um, it's a little um, mini opera in poem form, and it's actually got a title. It's called Loading the Dishwasher with Montserrat Caballé. Part one. That fork goes in the cutlery receptacle, and the spatula too, and the egg whisk and the cake dishes and the garlic press. A special compartment for utensils. That includes the spatula. <laughs> I love you. Dance with me in the splendour of it. Polished metal sheen, fantastic machine. I adore you, Montserrat Caballé. Soft hands as we fumble briefly over the crock pot. Soft hands soaping serrets, caressing crock pot. Dishwasher, door mouth agape like a basking shark. You tried my mother's homemade hot pot, ate the lot, wiped your sweating brow with a serviette. My friends all think I'm weird, yet I'm not. Some of them called me a crackpot, but when you tucked into that hot pot, I knew I'd hit the jackpot. Part two. Here it comes now, grumble, grumble, lights a flicker, clonking, clicking, churning, churning, water feeling, pipes a gurgle, cogitating, thanks for waiting, sort of gurgling, is it working, grumble, grumble, here it comes now, speeding up now, soft vibrations, ruminations, hesitations, here it comes now, one, two, three, four, here it comes now, one, two, three, four, here it comes now. Kishonga clunk, kishonga clunk, kishonga clunk, kishonga clunk. Part three. What is it that you want? Did you put the teapot in? Yes, I put the teapot in. Did you put the saucepan in? Yes, I put the saucepan in. What about the saucepan lid? We didn't use the saucepan lid. Yes, we did. No, we didn't. Yes, we did. No, we didn't. Yes, we did. <laughs> We didn't use the saucepan lid, we simmered gently, yes we did, we drained the water with a plate, the steam rose up, it felt so great. We didn't use the saucepan top, that is when I shouted stop, put it back where it should go, you asked me why and I said no. The saucepan lid we did not use, that is why I get the blues, you bully me because you can, you never let me be a man and I feel so belittled now because we had this stupid row, we didn't use the saucepan lid, we didn't use the saucepan lid, we didn't use the saucepan lid. Come to think of it, yes we did. I'm sorry that I hurt you, didn't mean to make you cry. I'm sorry that I hurt you, at least the dishes now are dry. Part four. Utensils are plenty. Oh, how you love utensils. But it might all end tomorrow, halfway through, make it a meringue. You'd leave me taking all of your utensils, but then that's just a whisk you've got to take. I can't remember 
Which day I drain some pasta? Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday? I'll have to check it on the colander. Oh, how jealous you are of my apple cora. Mind you, it is appealing. One more. The thing with the jagged holes or the thing with the serrated holes? I can't tell which is the greater. Part five. I have a tea towel pleasantly folded, an ironed with freshness, brightness, clean, an invitation which sadly you completely ignore as I open the door. Steam rises, glistening from the stippling on the ceiling like gravity-defying mountain dew inverted. You stand in my kitchen, hovering ever so gently, hoping that at any moment I'm going to ask you to help unload. Unload. Unload the pots, unload the plates, unload the cups and the mugs and the beakers and the knives and the ladles and the masher and the butter dish. Unload the whole blooming lot of it, you with your saintly glory, you absolute heart-thumping, ever so subtly, hubba-bubba, soft-skimmed, nerf-like perfumed splendor. Unload the whole lot and place it in cupboards like it means so much more than a domestic chore. The two of us opening cupboard doors and kitchen drawers laughing and exchanging coy glances before we lose ourselves to the passion which lingers deep within and the dishwasher stands empty ready to fight another day but instead you say I'm going home I'm going home I'm going home thank you so much Wilworth thank you Wonderzoo thank you for inviting me have a great afternoon Who is Booby Death? Why? What is Booby Death? I heard it was a woman that spoke six different languages. She kept me rushing, she kept me Japanese.